He pioneered Jets blogging and podcasting. He brought smiles to the faces of Jets fans all over the world. He was there through the good and bad. And then, one day... He vanished. People far and wide wondered, where has he gone? When will he return? Thankfully, the answer is... Now! The OG of Jets podcasting and vlogging is back! Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. This is There's Always Next Year with Brian Bassett. I'm back. The real me. Let's not, not make a whole thing of it. And his co-hosts, Chef Travis Milton. Today we're going to be making the students my tasty baked ziti with basil and fresh mozzarella. And Josh Conrad. Oh, my brother. Testify. On Turn on the Jets Digital. Welcome back to There's Always Next Year. I'm your host, Brian Bassett. You can follow me on Twitter at Brian underscore Bassett. And with me are Josh Conrad and Travis Milton, who you can follow on Twitter at Josh underscore Conrad and Dash 37 Board 27, respectively. Gentlemen, the Jets finish the 2019 season with a 7-9 and record uh, over the playoff-bound Buffalo Bills, who were not interested in playing in this game. Josh, how interested in this game were you? Next to zero interest from me. <laughs> I felt like even kind of reading, you know, pregame stuff online and things that guys were looking for, I just felt myself like this is essentially now a it's a preseason game where it's the Drew Carey special. It's the points are made up and nothing matters. Um, <laughs> and so I really I don't care about stats. I don't care about anything that happened as long as Massive injuries didn't happen. It was going to be a win no matter what to me. So, and listen, we, we're, we're, we're locked into the 11th pick, which is fine with me. And we can go to the offseason now. Yes. Travis. Uh, yes, only because I enjoy every opportunity for me to be frustrated because I am <laughs> some kind of weird masochist. <laughs> That's my love of the Jets. That's my adoration of, of working in restaurants. I, yeah, I, I just wanted mm. to be pissed. And- Glutton for punishment. Yeah, it, yeah. it totally helped me. Like, yeah, I was I was pissed at multiple points. Okay, well, good. Well, we'll we'll talk a little bit about why you were pissed here. But yeah, I would say I I watched the game. I but I just was so disengaged with it. Things were going on in the house. It's time to take you know the ornaments off the Christmas tree, and so I'm kind of you know doing that and half watching. And so yeah, I would say my level of engagement was not. Uh, normal, but I was certainly trying to stay engaged with what was happening. And yeah, there was a lot of frustrating moments to your point, Travis. And I think some of the things for me were, uh, listen, I understand it's the last game of the year. I understand it's, you know, pouring in Buffalo, but I also understand uh, that while this is a pretty good defense, you know, they're, they were not playing their best players. Um, And so I hoped I'd see a little bit more out of Sam Darnold. Certainly wasn't the kind of game I wanted from him. And I think when you got to the half and you realize, you know what, they are doing the right thing. They are trying to throw the ball a lot. This is the best way to try and, you know, move the ball in this situation against this team, but it just wasn't having the intended effects. Like, did you, when you were watching that, did you have specific conclusions on why they were not as effective? Was it just the rain? Was it, lack of interest in the team, trying to get out of there healthy? Or what did you think, Travis? Well, one of the things that I wanted to watch for was, like, how engaged the team was. And 
I saw a ton of it from the defense. Um, like they were, they were fired up. Greg Williams was fired up. Mm-hmm. I mean, but the offense looked super bland. The play calling was, dare I say, my favorite word in the world, dog shit. I swear, like it, when you when you have Robbie Anderson lined up against a backup wide receiver, <laughs> and you run a draw play. Yes. Um, when when it's a you know when you're. I, I, I gather – I know it's scripted, and I know you've had really, really big success with the scripted plays, but you run a wildcat on third and short, and then you kick, you try to kick a 51-yard field goal. I mean, I you're going against backups. Like, just just air it out. Just just go for it. And Adam Gase's play calling mm-hmm. was horrible. Greg Williams showed the fuck up, and the defense, like, they showed up. Granted, again, they're going against backups, but I give them credit. They all played – they all played on point. They forced turnovers. They were engaged. They were in the game. But I didn't see any of that from the offense. Yeah, I, I think my big takeaway from this game and maybe from this year is, I mean, and I am no fan of Greg Williams, and I don't know if I ever will be, but, I mean, he is the reason that this team is half competent, right, for for all the injuries and all the bad players on the defensive side of the ball. Certainly he does have a couple – stars there but with everything else they don't have or have traded away or just frittered away with you know Tremaine Johnson and he has been a pretty solid contributor to this team and right and to see the level of excitement over what the defense was doing and kind of how they were getting fired up on their side of the ball versus Adam Gase, the head coach and, you know, kind of glorified offensive coordinator and what hit and the nothing burger, his side of the ball did. It was a little stunning and, and shocking to me. And I think in the light of the Freddie kitchens news getting fired, I'm starting to rethink my narrative around what happened last year, 2018 in Cleveland. And so I don't know, Josh, like, have you changed your opinion on Greg Williams and what he's bringing to this team? I lean toward a guy that, you know, in a, in a bunch of different places has had really good defenses. Almost seemingly most of the places where it seems to keep rising to the level of the head coach position is, is when he's paired with a head coach who's, who's not a good head coach. And so, you know, th- there is an element that's like when there's chaos, when there's confusion, when there's disunity or a lack of a competent head coach, he seems to be the guy that looks reasonably good. Like it, it's yeah. tricky to figure out like, is, is it just because he's paired next to imbeciles or is, is it because he intrinsically is like a steadying the ship kind of a force in those moments and players will look to kind of anybody to, to be a, a you know, a, a stabilizing voice. So I, I don't know that I've changed opinions on him, but obviously Adam Gase was brought in um, to be the offensive coach to move Sam Darnold's career forward. And we finished dead last in total offense. Obviously part of my, you know, if there was anything optimistic this year is that this defense seemingly improved with a lot of really bad injuries and a lot of bad, you know, just a lot of weird things that happened kind of all season. Greg Williams had a, had a good defense out there almost every single week. And so I I feel optimistic um, if he wants to come back, I, I will stand and, continue to tweet that the Jets need to fire Adam Gase as soon as possible, but leaning toward optimistic about Greg Williams if he returned. Yeah, I'm kind of in, in the same 
space where I certainly don't love him. I don't love all the way he employs his players or whatever, but on a team of um, kind of incompetent coaching, right? He's the best of the bunch. And so, right. And I think this, this is kind of where I want to take this, this point a little on the podcast is there was this weird story last week about Adam Gase and, you know, him being rich bitch. Doesn't oh yeah. Care what everybody else thinks, but I know last week we talked and that was early in the week and before the gay story broke and all that sort of thing. We talked about the weird Ed Reed kind of subtweeting Insta story or whatever he did. And, you know, with Jamal kind of, he's hanging out as I thought more about it while I said on the podcast last week, it, it's a, it's sad because it could be anybody. And my initial thoughts having not having seen that story before it was brought to our attention there was we're talking about Heinz Ward or we're talking about, maybe Greg Williams, you know, obviously the person that I left out is Adam Gase, right? And so maybe, maybe the conversation that Ed Reed is having with Jamal Adams is, um, you know, Hey, we're trying to make this work. Like Greg Williams is doing a good job using us and letting us, you know, play to our strengths, but it's this idiot head coach, Adam Gase. And, you know, the fact that he's, he's here and he's getting in the way of what we're doing and, you know, he's, he and his uh, his GM are flirting with the idea of trading me and that sort of thing. And so maybe that's where that uh, Ed Reed subtweet moment came from. I, I don't know. But, but when you think back about that incident, the Ed Reed thing that we talked about last week, and then you think about the thing that broke on Christmas Eve around, uh, you know, the way in which Adam Gase, you know, treats the criticisms of his coaching and his, you know, the fact that he was snapped up so quickly as a, let's say a referendum for why he's such a good head coach. Like I've spent a lot of time over the last week thinking about that. And I'm sure you guys have too, Travis, I know you've probably done the most, um, you know, diagnosing and research on the subject, but what were your thoughts about that Adam Gay story uh, when it came out last week, oh, that was that was like tea time for me. I would just, <laughs> I, somebody put the kettle on. Um, I, uh, you know, I, like I said, when when the Ed Reed thing came out, my initial thought was, you know, this is this is this is barbing right at Adam Gase. This is this is Jamal Adams that is, you know, he's happy, but he's in what he's doing, but he hates Adam Gase. Like that's that's exactly where my head went, and. This whole uh, uh, burner account, this whole Wyatt V, uh, you know, thing really kind of, uh, yes. like you said, it really in- reinforced all of that. And one, one of my favorite tweets from the weekend, uh, actually, it might, it might have been today, was, was Scott, uh, and it was in regards to Adam Gase's postgame uh, presser where Manish asked him if he had a Twitter account, and he said, oh, do you? And, uh, and Scott's <laughs> response was it took him back to the Lawrence Taylor interview with Jim Rome when Jim Rome asked Lawrence Taylor if he thought he was a good father. And Lawrence Taylor went, oh, what, well, well, do you think you're a good father? And Jim Rome doesn't even have any kids. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, it's, it's been amazing watching this whole thing uh, and, and watching everyone dissect it. I, had somebody, I saw somebody – went down this huge rabbit hole and figured out that, you know, they thought it was, was, uh, Mr. Patton Oswalt, Joel Logan's and, mm. uh, you know, it's, it's, it's completely fascinating to me, but like, I, I, I really, I mean, it just boils down to, I, I have, I started the season hating both hires. Um, right. I've gotten a, 
way more behind Greg Williams. I'm not in this camp that's saying, hey, let's promote him to head coach and let's get Monken or somebody in there to run the offense. I'm not in that camp. I want him to stay as the defensive coordinator. I love what he's done. I think that he was the difference between a 4-12 and team and where we finished. Uh, I think he made that difference in what he did with the defense. But I mean, this Adam Gay stuff is getting nuts, and uh, half of me wants to get the popcorn and watch, and half of me wants to bang my head against the wall and drink this $5 bottle of rosé I just bought at Target. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure where I'm, where I'm going to end on that. Probably the rosé and banging the head. <laughs> um, but it's fascinating than the least. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress, and that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hoopin' with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hoopin' with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. For shits and giggles, let's go to Wyatt V's uh, account and just see what see what's happening right now. So I hate how Twitter does this nonsense with the like, uh, like it doesn't do just straight timeline crap anymore. It's so annoying. Yeah. No, the aggregator pisses me off now. Yeah, it's it's annoying. But here here's what all here's what all I've found. So this is what I could find from today when I go to his page. Uh, I'm quoting from Wyatt V that's at Wyatt V 18. I would like to congratulate Manish Mehta at, you know, whatever. I'm not going to put all the handles and stuff in there. Um, Manish Mehta on being the beat beat writer reporter, whatever you are dumb enough to think this is Adam Gase or anyone associated with him or his family. Um, I made this account after his hashtag fake news hit piece on Gase because it was just so ridiculous um, New York Daily News used to be a paper. I couldn't wait to read regarding sports. Now it has turned into total page six gossip site. Um, letting great reporters go and keeping Manish Mehta was the height of stupidity. Manish is nothing but a hack, always was, always will be. You are unprofessional, unlike your colleagues. We're dumb enough to not even vet out whether this account was too obvious to be linked to Adam Gase. Um New York Daily News sport is failing, uh, sports page is failing massively. No one reads it. Um, that is why you have to resort to these fake hit pieces. I'm expected to dupe Jets Twitter 
because we are rational fans who respond by emotion. But at first, I didn't even think Manish Mehta would be fooled enough to include this account in your work, in his work, um, let alone actually have the stones to ask Gase about it during a, fa- a press conference. Hashtag fake news Manish. So it's weird, but I mean, that, that account now has 2,500 followers, of which I am one. Uh, oh, and then he wrote this. Just think about, just think how a little too obvious this account was. Anyone with any common sense would see, I just went to Gase's wiki page and started picking out slivers of it into making it too predictable. That's poorly written. But, um, but, but, but the point here is, now who knows? This could just be, you know, I mean, hey, this could be them leading us off the scent yet again. But when I do read some of the comments about the Daily News and about um, what it was versus what it is now and Jets Twitter and things like that, there is some inside knowledge about what it seems like to be a Jets fan, just in terms of my, um, you know, what do you call those like psychologists, criminal psychologists, my, my criminal psychology uh, armchair degree. Uh, it's, it, could, it could easily be a, a fan and seems like it would be a fan. It might be Devontae Parker. I mean, who else is going to gonna gonna get more out of Adam Gase, supporting Adam Gase as the it's, Jets head coach? It's, than, Ryan, it's, it's Ryan Tannehill. It's Ryan <laughs> yeah, exactly. His revenge. Re- regardless, going back to it, the, you know, the things we do know, or I should say we have purported to, to know, is that Adam Gase is – um, is does not care what fans think, and maybe you know I don't, I don't think he should necessarily be. Oh well, you know some play, some fan told me this play, but at the same time, his uh, disassociation with the hit the fan base, which is helping to pay his salary, accompanied with the disassociation of his team players, players like Jamal Adams or whoever it might be, um, you know that seems like and and a terrible offense like that's all a recipe for a big steaming you know pile of dog shit soup as you would say travis so um so (laughs) well said well put (laughs) so 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 my point here is like we're only a year in we're definitely going to get another year if he's you know not gone already or not gone this week which i don't expect adam gase will be but um they are his actions alone are accelerating this storyline to what seems like a very obvious conclusion a year from today. We're the day we're taping this December 30th, a year ago, Todd Bowles was fired a year from today. If things keep going off the rails um, and they don't figure things out and they don't go to the playoffs next year, I just don't imagine Adam Gase is asked back for the 2021 season. Um, I don't know. Do you have other thoughts about this uh, Gase disconnected stuff and, you know, this fake account or whether it's truly his account or not, or he's now he's sending people off the scent or I, I don't know. A- any other thoughts on this stuff? Adam Gase specifically really centered around him. I mean, I can do a whole, whole podcast about that. I'm going to, I'm going to like, I'm going to chill. I'm going to let Josh take this. Okay. We're yeah, se- season, season three of, uh, um, the award-winning podcast yeah. that once looked into the um, Ad, Adnan Syed murder case. 
um, is going to be Travis <laughs> is doing a deep dive of Wyatt V18 over seven episodes with Sarah Koenig. It's going to be amazing. Cereal. And super ominous music like the entire time. Um, the, the only thing I'll add, um, these are grown adults and there are burner Twitter accounts. Like there's just an element of this that's like, can you just focus on football? Like you're hired, whether, whether it's, it's Blake Williams, Greg's son, whether it's someone in the, in the Vit family, like whoever is doing this, like even if it is Adam Gates, can we just focus and make this team better? Because like all of this goes away if Adam Gates locks himself in a room with a good offensive staff and comes up with a better offensive game plan that doesn't lead to wildcat on third and on third and two and then missing 51 yard field goals like this this is the stuff that just like it infuriates me as a jets fan is like all the other all of the other extraneous things around this team always become the story because they don't put a good enough product on the field because they're not paying attention because they're focused on everything else and so the only thing that it comes back to to me is like everybody just do your job like focus on leading your staff to coach your players and all of this stuff just doesn't matter. Um, and, and the more that like the extra stuff becomes the, the circus kind of like overtakes the team that that's where the disconnects come from, but he's contributing to it at the same time. And so there's just this vicious cycle of like, man, get, get someone in the room that's going to be an adult. And I feel like all of this stuff just goes away. One thing that I thought about heavily after yes, conversation. Well said. Sorry. Last week, and yes, well said, sorry. But this just dawned on me that I was thinking about this the other day. Um, so we were talking about, like, the scripted plays and stuff, and I, I think that we, we gloss over the fact that Adam, Adam Gase is the head coach. Mm. There is an offensive coordinator to this team. What if Mr. Patton Oswalt is doing the scripted plays and Adam is going through the game and doing all that? Maybe, maybe Logan's is an offensive genius – that is being hindered Ooh. by the hubris of our head coach. We're, we'll never find out because <laughs> you know Adam Gase is never going to relinquish that control. Um, you know because that's the one thing that people associate with him uh, on kind of why he's so successful. But obviously, it's you know it's more Peyton Manning than it is him, as we've talked about. But I agree. I agree. I think we should unleash the Kraken. That is Doella Gaines and see what happens. But right, I think you know the problem is that's Gase's reputation, that's Gase's future offensive coordinatorships, because God knows he's not getting another head coaching job after this, if anything. But like, see, here's the thing: like, you know, Rex Ryan, you know, he 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 burned it out too quick, right? Between the Jets and then the Bills, and now he's on TV. Problem for Adam Gase is like he's not likable enough to actually make it to TV. So he's he will he will be in the um what do you call it? Like the offensive coordinator purgatory, like Brian Schottenheimer, you know, for, for the remainder of his career. But right. If he, you know, if basically if, if he lets Dwell Legains put his stamp on this offense, then that's, you know, that's messing, messing with his hashtag brand. And, you know, he's, he's not going to be down with that. So Adam Gase, I'm pretty sure will contain the control of this offense, but I'm with you. I think there's no I'm saying value. I'm in wondering if it. he already has and we don't know it. I mean, no, 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 <laughs> no way. Cause it's, I know game. I'm playing devil's advocate. I know. Okay. Sorry. I'm too stupid. I'm too stupid <laughs> to figure that out. Um, 
but yes, I, I just I think Adam Gase wants to retain control of it, and he'll he'll let Doel again be his water boy, you know. But but that's about it. Um, or until the point where right he here's what happens: he will throw him under the bus if it's another terrible season um, in terms of offensive efficiency and offensive uh, you know creation next year. Then he'll throw him under the bus after the fact in some sort of like oh well you know Dwell Gaines was really running the show on offense the entire time right like that's that's how that'll go It's like it's going to be to his advantage until it's to his disadvantage and then he will just. Well, you know, throw under the bus whoever he needs to throw under the bus. Um, so, anyway, awesome first year, right? Great year one, year one check. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a sixty-game sprint, unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week. With Major League Baseball, we're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. We do need to talk about this year because it was just such a weird year. Like, I mean, just think about it. In the last literally 12 months, Bowles has been fired. Gase has been hired. We've had a very weird free agency period um, where, you know, all the money was put toward Le'Veon Bell and we let players evaporate who could have been very impactful for this offense, like Matt Paradis and others. Um, There was a weird draft after which Mike McCagnon was very shortly thereafter fired um, and Joe Douglas was then hired. The season played out as it did. We literally have 20 players on the injured reserve as, as we're currently, you know, finished the week, week 17. There's 20 players on the injured reserve, some of which are very cantankerous about their treatment. You know, Quincy Nunwa being one. Uh, this has just been a weird year. Like, let, let, go ahead and let's just pick one thing that was uh, most surprising for you this year in the last, in the last year, what was the most surprising thing that happened to the jets? I'll let Josh, why don't you start us? Oof. Um, I'm surprised that, well, I mean, so much of it is disappointing, but that's not surprising. I think the surprising thing um, is that our quarterback in the same season had mono in, and somehow conjured the ability to see ghosts. Um, he, was surprising. Maybe the mono pretty, made him see ghosts. I, like that broadcast that night, I, be, before it became a thing on Twitter, and they were just kind of running the, the, the audio clips, and, and I heard him say, I'm seeing ghosts out here. And I, I, I like, I, it was like a record scratch in my house. And I went, did he just say he sees ghosts? And my wife's like, what? like she looked up from her phone, and we were like, kind of like hit the 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 rewind button like yeah. six or seven times in a row because we could not believe that he had just said that on national television um i i those are maybe more funny i i'm surprised that for a team that had that had levy on bell um we we didn't with a quarterback that had mono with a ton of offensive problems we did not use him um, you know, we, he, he wasn't the featured player on this team. And that's, it's just surprising to me that if, even if everything else fails, you have a 
top 10 running back talent on your team um, and you're refusing to give him the 25 to 30 touches that a guy in that in that capacity warrants and so I, I'm really surprised by that I'm, I'm hoping that there's a reason um, obviously Adam Gase it, is a fucking moron is that a good reason <laughs> that was a good volley way to spike it I'm glad you did um, I, I, I am still just surprised that that NFL level coaching did not go, let's give Le'Veon Bell the ball as much as we can, and that's going to be the best way to develop our quarterback. It was disappointing and surprising to me. Adam, uh, so, yeah, Adam Gase, in his first year with Le'Veon Bell, they finished the season with 15 games. He did have that one injury. Um, 245 attempts for 789 yards, three rushing touchdowns for a yards per attempt of 3.2, which is yeah. Um, and then he was targeted 78 times, which is a lot. Like, that's slot receiver levels. He received 66% of those targets. So that's a 84% catch rate, almost 85% catch rate. Um, he had one touchdown and 461 yards. So he totals about 1,300 all-purpose yards. Uh, but, right, you know, that, that yards per attempt – at 3.2 is just painfully low, well below his, you know, his average over the course of his career. Um, the worst other number like that he had was his rookie year in 2013 when he only had 3.5 yards per attempt. But every other year um, has been close to five yards per carry with the exception of 2017, um, where I think he, you know, was, he had a little bit of injury and had some con, uh, you know, some stuff going on, but was about four, 4.0 yards. So, so yes, obviously bad use of Le'Veon Bell. They tried to get him working in the in the passing game more, but certainly there was room for improvement, and and they should have even targeted him even more than they did. Um, Travis, any big surprising things for you this year from the Jets? I mean, surprising. I don't know. It's more more just looking at the bizarre moments. Um, I, I again, like I'm with Josh on on the surprise and, and non-understanding of, of the utilization of Le'Veon Bell. But uh, I think uh, I think my surprise was how bizarre everything was this season. Um, yeah. It took me back to the days, you know, the, the old Tannehill days with when everyone mm-hmm. first kind of coined the, the Jets are dumpster fire kind of thought process. But um, even with Gase being hired, I think the I, – I think the – I think there was almost like a bond between Christopher Johnson and Todd Bowles last year that, and the players that, that lulled me into something like with the, the kneeling and everything when Christopher Johnson was mm-hmm. there standing with the players, I was like, okay, like we're actually getting to be a stable franchise where the ownership is here with the players. And, um, and obviously I was totally fucking wrong, <laughs> but I, I think the most bizarre moment of the season to me was that, that shot of Mike McCagnan, sitting by himself mm. in the draft war room mm. and not a single scout, Adam Gase, not there and, and just him by himself. And when I saw that, like, I, I literally thought to myself, Oh shit. Um, I, I wanted McCagney gone for quite a while, but at the same time I was like, and there's no one here with him. What is going on? Like, even if this guy is gone, I would think that everyone would be in here trying to get in his ear to get people right. that they want. They actually him. wanted mm-hmm. um, that moment to me, and then then the the gay presser after that, like that whole situation was 
almost as bizarre as the 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 burner twitter account for me it was like this is and it goes back to what you said you're grown ass people what are you doing you're acting like children and you know i get it this is a game but you know play it's God, a billion dollars. I mean, this is this is a you know a this is a game. I agree, but you know this franchise is worth I don't know a billion and a half dollars. Yes, it's dollars. a billion dollar thing. I mean, right. and and there's people that are invested in this with with you know for for jobs for you know whatever. Like what what the hell is going on with this freaking franchise right now? Yeah. Um, it took it to a new level for me, and I don't think I ever recovered from that through the season. Yeah, I think, you know, uh, my initial thought was going to be McCagnan and kind of the timing of his firing for kind of the most surprising thing. Um, But, you know, based on how things were going, it almost seemed like a relief when it happened, especially after, you know, Quinn Williams has been great, but I just, I, I, I don't get me going on the defensive line, first round defensive line and the Jets and their love affair with first round defensive linemen. But, um, but after that, like, I was like, okay, I know Quinn Williams is a great player, but I just, there's times to go best player available and there's times to go for need. And that was clearly to me a time to go for need versus, versus best player available. And they didn't do it. And that was kind of like the death sentence for me with, with McCagnan. So I was, I was kind of relieved to see him go. I think I've already talked about this already, but but I would say Greg Williams, um, his success with this team, I'm not going to you know, say this is the guy I want heading this defense for the next 10 years, but I certainly feel like for whatever recipe of mess that's going on inside the Jets right now, like they have a couple talented defensive line players. They have some great linebackers who, if they can ever get healthy, will be you know a fantastic group. Um, they've got you know, Jamal and Marcus May, who do a great job uh, on the back of this defense. And I think that we are not that many pieces away. You know, if, if you add health, uh, kind of consider that as a free agency play. If you, if you add health and then you add some good cornerback play, solid cornerback play, like this defense is going to be good. And I do think that there's something to be said with Greg Williams kind of being this, um, disenfranchised, um, you know, dejected coach, whatever you want to say from the establishment, from ownership. Obviously he has some black clouds around him from his, uh, from his past. Um, but he, he is effective even if he does have a crazy scheme where he's lining up players, you know, well behind the line of scrimmage and all that sort of thing, he has seemed to, to do something to create this critical mass of energy and excitement and buy-in to what he's doing. And that seems to be paying off regardless of who he's been able to put out there on the field. Uh, Now, what I will say is like, that's something that over time that might not be sustainable for two, three, five years, but there's also the added element of like, I get that Adam Gase has basically checked out of what the defense is doing and that probably rubs his defensive players the wrong way and makes them want to play more for Greg Williams um, to show that it's, it's them and Greg Williams and has nothing to do with Adam Gase. Uh, but at the same time, like a point in time will come where when what Adam Gase doesn't care about that side of the ball, it's kind of like the Dwell Gaines thing where once he's threatened by what that side of the ball is doing, then he will very much care. And, and, and Greg Williams, assuming Gase makes it two, three years with this franchise, um, 
Greg Williams will certainly be in the crosshairs as a result of that. So uh, it's, it's an interesting dynamic that's playing out. You've kind of got these, you know, you've got the, you know, the, the kingpin up top, Adam Gase, and then you've got his capos and his capos are, you know, they're, they're gunning for his chair, whether he, whether he realizes it or not, um, you know, they're, 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 they're coming for him sooner or later. So it's going to make for an interesting dynamic over the next couple of years, for sure. Um, what about, uh, that was kind of spent a lot of time in the bizarre and weird and maybe disappointing land. What about any positive notes? Give, give me one or two positive things you can think of. Um, anybody want to start? Yeah, I, I, think, I think the emergence of Bless Austin has, has obviously been mm-hmm. a revelation. Um, the, those, are the, those are the wins you need deep in the draft if you're going to build a contender. Um, I feel like we saw, um, you know, through the ups and downs, I think, I think we saw Robbie Anderson um, in some of the early market numbers. If he's a $10 million a year guy, like he, he certainly seems appealing, um, which, which is good. Like you want to have those guys on the roster. Um, and so that was encouraging. Um, I felt like Darnold for all of the chaos around him, his own personal health, um, you know, a, a ton of disunity amongst the team. I, I felt like he actually took steps forward this year. It seemed like he made less and less poor passes, um, even if the statistics really aren't there just because of the, the team around him and a 32nd ranked offense. I felt like he took some steps forward. Um, yeah, those, those would be the three that stand out to me. Yeah, and I think if, if Quincy and Nunwa got a kind of oversized $9 million contract uh, a year ago, whenever that was, um, I would imagine Robbie Anderson would would easily get 10 a year. And right, I think to your point, it, it comes down to what, what we think we're going to do with him. But I agree. I think Bless Austin was was good. Um, I would say on a, on a brighter note, I think we, we've seen enough now from Sam Darnold to realize like, okay, we're not sure how high up he goes in the Pantheon, but I think he's, he's proven enough with the little that he has so far to, to put himself kind of above the Andy Dalton line. Um, I think he's above that line. I don't know how high he is above that line, but right. The point there is he's a player that you can, count on and we've got a couple more years where we have him under controlled contracts and controlled salaries and the jets whether the coaching staff is any good whether um the the play calling is any good regardless they need to go out and spend around him to give him the sort of talent that he needs to take the next step and then over time one he needs his next contract you know we'll see where that's going to go and you know whether the Jets award it to him I'm sure they will but it's interesting to see players like uh you know Cam Newton who are probably going to walk into free agency Philip Rivers will probably and I get these guys are much older than than Darnold but they're probably going to walk into free agency uh news broke this morning I believe Tom Brady has taken a, a contract extension with the Patriots for 2020 um but but the point here is just that there are enough things happening in a positive manner to say you have to go use the resources you have at your disposal while you have them, while you have this guy under control to do what you can. And then you hope he grows over the period of time when you do need to award him that contract, like a Russell Wilson or whatever, um, 
you've gotten enough out of them and he's done enough growing that now he can start to carry the team more than he already is. Travis, any, any um, bright spots for you? I mean, most of mine are on the defense. Like I hate to keep harping on uh, in a, Mm -hmm. in a good way on Greg Williams and everybody, but uh, I mean, Josh brought up bless Austin. I've brought him up a lot of times, Uh, but even Arthur Mallette, Neville Hewitt has, you know, Neville Hewitt and James Burgess, I think have been, the two of the biggest bright spots for me because the linebacking core, you know, losing Avery, losing CJ, you know, that you, you lost your two, you know, you, you lost your play caller on the defense. Um, and one of the, one of the best linebackers you have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, sure. you know, you're, you're subbing in and virtually an entire unit. And uh, between those guys and Jordan Jenkins, like showing up, he had a phenomenal year. Um, the linebacking core, I think, was a huge bright spot. I never, ever expected the depth to be there. And whether it be Greg Williams working some magic or the depth actually being there, uh, they played pretty pretty damn well throughout the season uh, with a lot of hits taken to you know, their, their depth. And I think that was, that was the biggest bright spot for me was how well they played and how well those players you know, plugged in and stepped up when they had to. Hmm. Yeah, so, right, uh, while I would say it certainly was not the year any of us wanted, um, but, right, maybe it showed us that there is some possibility for the team if they can uh, thread the needle this offseason through free agency and the draft, um, bringing back some of their players, uh, getting players that were, you know, on their squad healthy, right, as you talked about the linebackers. I mean, think about the tight ends, you know, Chris Herndon, was you know going to be a great addition to this offense and it just never fired for him this year after the suspension and then came back and he was injured and then Ryan Griffin came in and and looked good and then he got injured so there's just so many things that you know had they gone a different way the team might be in a better uh, better situation better scenario Um, and so I think things are for as bleak as this year seemed for a, you know, almost 500 team. I, I use that very sparingly, but um, almost 500 team, like things are lining up well for them for 2020. Um, but yeah, they're going to have to, it, that, that just means that they're just going to have to be so vigilant this off season. Let's hope this is the staff to do it. Well, I think that'll about do it for us today. Gentlemen, thank you for your valiant work. Thank you for your, your sacrificing your time away from your, your schedules, your kitchens, your, your baby twins, uh, you know, whatever it is, we, we thank you. And I'm sure uh, even though the season's winding down, um, there'll be lots for us to talk about in the off season. I'm sure we'll, we'll come back for some free agency and, uh, and draft coverage at some point along the way. Sound, sound good? Yep, I'll have the rosé ready. Oh, sweet. All right. Well, hey, thanks again. Thanks to everybody for listening. This has been a great season, a fun season um, to do this podcast. It's always a a bright spot for me to wake up on Monday morning and know that I'm going to get to talk to Travis and Josh about the Jets. Cry a little and laugh a little, as they (laughs) say sometimes, you know. And and guys, you know, I think think the best way to end is to say thank you for being a friend. I was going to say dog shit, but that's good too.
I didn't realize how much I said it until somebody brought it up to me on Twitter and I listened to the episode. I was like, oh my God, I said dog shit 23 times. Oh, man, you kept the count. <laughs> it's so great. <laughs> All right, gentlemen. Well, thank you. Josh, any, any parting words? Uh, I would like to reveal that I am indeed Wyatt V18. And oh, it's been- shit. Oh, oh, you ruined shit. my work. Oh, no. Foiled again. Josh always does it. Never, never trust the pastor. It's always that twist. Just like last week's uh, twist at the end of the episode. (laughs) I got a lot of feedback about that. It was, it was great. (laughs) Oh, good. It was great. All right. Thanks gentlemen. Have a good one. There's always next year, everybody. There's always next year.